Love that you tune into the JT and Looney podcast. Bet Online, our partners would like to wish you a happy new betting year. As we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. And it's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website at Bet Online. So sign up today. Remember, just for being friends with JT and Looney, you get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BELIEVE. It is the Believe Radio Network that powers the JT and Looney podcast, but it's spelled B L E A V. It's missing a vowel. B L E A V, and that's the uh, the code you have to use to get your fifty percent welcome bonus. They got uh, NFL playoffs, basketball, NBA, hockey, NHL, boxing, the sweet science, and UFC, and your favorite Vegas casino games. So uh, do it now, or do it in you know, 47 minutes when the podcast ends. There's a lot of amazing offers at Bet Online for 2022. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts, and now the podcast starts. Damn it! And if I'm not mistaken, it's episode 114. <laughs> You're the king of transitions. Would you like to hear my day today? Yeah. I really share that on the podcast. Or isn't that what people do on podcasts? They share their day. Yes. It's Mom, it's a free form. Yes. Yeah, it's a, people just share their day. I got up at seven in the morning. Oh, first of all, let me say this, and you know I'm famous for interrupting you. Uh, you know, people do that. How was your day? How was your weekend on their fucking real sports talk radio shows that they're getting paid good money for and, and advertisers paying good morning, good money for. And instead of talking about sports, they they go around the horn and say, how was your day? What'd you do this weekend? Oh, I painted the house. Yeah, that, that's, that's that's that substitutes for sports talk radio these days. And before I get to my day, I've never done that in radio in 25 years. No, you never did. I have a clock that goes off. I always believe that no one wants to hear anything about me. That's why I'm going to share with you my day today on right. the podcast. So I got up at 7, and I went to the Rudy workout, my personal trainer, Rooney. Oh, great. Rudy. I go into his garage with my buddy Todd. We do this insane 30-minute workout, five-minute warm-up, stretch and hips, all this then a clock goes on and it's 45 seconds on, 15 seconds off, everything from dumbbells, lunges, pull-ups. So good for you. Stuff. I love it. Great. Felt great. Brought my clothes with me, then drove to the Raider team facility, their global headquarters, showered in the building, went into the executive shower, cleaned up, showered, put makeup on. Because I went on TV and I interviewed the head coach. Oh, nice. The head coach. The head coach of the – no one can pronounce his name now. All the NFL media guys are like, Rich – no, it's Rich Basaccia. I've interviewed him most of the year. And all of a sudden, the Raiders are in the playoffs. So we do that, have a great interview. Coach only had limited time because it's the playoffs. And those scoundrels made him play Sunday night in five quarters. And then they gave him the first game on Saturday. Does, Does that sound fair? No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't, right. right? Okay. So I did that. Then it was done. I had a coffee with my friend. Then I raced home, and I went on the Scott Kaplan and his crew podcast. Did about 20 minutes with them for their podcast. He's on. Uh, he's now a loss. He was a long-time yeah. San Diego yeah. talk show. Now he's an L.A. talk show. Went on Great. his podcast, and I had a race through that. Then I drove to the radio station, did my two-hour Raider Nation radio show, and then... I'm going to skip one thing and get back to it. I got home to do this podcast with you. 
And then tonight I'm going to see Beatles Love at the Mirage. My sister's in town. I'm going to take them to the Cirque du Soleil show. And my sister's taking me. Is that your she, sister you that know, I met at your party? My new best yes. friend? Oh, my, my sister God. Jill's in town. We're going to go to that big show, which you can only do in Vegas to do that. And then we're going to go to Resorts World, the newest $4 billion plus dollar casino for dinner. We got a reservation at 10 p.m. because in Vegas, you can go to dinner at 10 p.m. Oh, I love that. that. You know, I love that. that. (laughs) Uh, But you know what the best part of my day was? The number one best part, other than waking up next to my wife and walking my dog, which I did, was I went to Chick-fil-A. Okay. Okay. First time they opened up a new Chick-fil-A in my neighborhood. I got in the drive through and this young girl greeted me, said, what would you like? I said, I have the spicy chicken sandwich. Would you like pickles on it? Yes, I'd like pickles on it. <laughs> I had a spicy chicken sandwich, ordered a ordered no drink because that's the biggest way to save money in American history. Don't ever yes, order right. a drink. You're right, or, right. You don't need you have, you have a drink at home. So I just Man, ordered drink water. You're a workout guy now. Drink yeah. goddamn water sandwich. But she she took my order. I drove like it was an amusement park ride. I drove 20 feet and a nice young girl took my credit card and she swiped it. And then the third person was a young man who then gave me my order. All three of those young people asked me how my day was. Thank you. We appreciate you. Please come back again. Oh, nice. Nice. So everything I did today, interviewing an NFL head coach, working out with my buddy, right? Doing all this stuff. I, the, the highlight of my day was how the people treated me in the drive through at the Chick-fil-A. I love hearing that. It was so nice to me when I go in my DMs and people yell at me because I got double vaccinated and I got my booster and they <laughs> scream at me and they say I'm a pawn Funny. for right. scientists. These people treated me nice, Tom. Well, you're a very nice pawn for scientists. You're very kind. People don't realize what a quiet, polite man named John you are when you're not screaming on the radio. And I love that to hear that story about Chick-fil-A because I would love if the whole world would turn into Trader Joe's. That's how they treat you at Trader Joe's. Hi, Tom. How are you? They remember your name. It's like they're all running for mayor. They flirt with you when you when you check out and they're you know, they're trained to do that. And it's wonderful. Uh, and one more thing about that. And that is, you know, when it comes to how we treat people behind the counter, how we treat them. That was wonderful. They treated you nice. I had a lovely conversation at Target today. I had to get an Otter Box for the new i12 iPhone 12 Mini. You know what an Otter Box is, right? It's a big. It's like, oh, it protects your phone. Yeah, protects your phone. So when you drop it, it doesn't break. And I drop my phone a hundred times a month. <laughs> and uh, and uh, in Target, and I laughed and had a great conversation with Delia. At Target, and we both talked about how people shouldn't be required to uh, be in the Army or the Navy or the Air Force. They should be required be required to work at Target or Starbucks and work with with the general public. It will make us all better citizens. So for two years, we had to work behind a counter with the general public. Then we became adults. We would be kind to people who were working behind the counter. I think it'll make us better citizens if we. And the one thing about this, like Starbucks, I won't go to anymore because I'm so intimidated by the line. I I despise (laughs) the line because what happens in the line, and this is a criticism of women more than men, because there's more women at a Starbucks period Mm -hmm. that shouldn't offend anybody. It's fact is that when women get in the line, they don't look at their order and they don't look at the board until they get to the cashier of everybody. So what was so great about this Chick-fil-A experience was I was intimidated when I got in the drive through, there was going to be too many cars. It was a decent line, but it went through so fast because they were so productive at every stage of it, 
literally by the time they took my order, I didn't order a lot. By the time I got my sandwich at the top of the line, I just went right through. I could have put the car almost in neutral and or went one, two miles an hour and never stopped because everybody along the way was so efficient. So when you go to Starbucks now and you get behind that lady and all it takes is one of her, one of these women, you get behind <laughs> one and they go, I'll have the double vanilla latte mochaccino with the twist and that. And would you like anything else? And they pause and go, well, what do you got? And you go, well, <laughs> pastries. well, what kind of pastries do you have? Well, you can have this lemon muffin or this and that. And then it blows up the entire line and it never stops all day long because if you're just ordering a pike roast like I am, just a coffee black or one cream, you don't want to wait behind 11 people at 13 because out of the 11 or 13, all of them are confused. They go there every day and they think they're allowed to talk to people. I don't want to talk to people. I talk to people for a living. I don't want to talk to people at a bank or online unless I have to. So the Chick-fil-A thing was great because the people were very pleasant. If you go back in the hot tub time machine to 1990 and you were at any grocery store in the country, there always was that usually old lady as well. You'd be standing in a long line. You'd have 10 minutes to pull out that checkbook and write PNC and the date and your name. So when they, you know, when people used to pay for checks, when they say that'll be 99.95, you can just write 99.95. Now, where am I? What's the date? Who am I? And then they would take that usually older lady, sometimes younger. She'd have to pull out that pen. Oh, people do it now with their with their with their card. Oh, but they've been waiting in line for 15 minutes. I am so ready with my card. And all of a sudden they have to open up their purse and open up their wallet and pull out the card. It's like really. You kind of so that that's a that's yeah. We both have patience issues. Is basically the theme so far. Well, and, the rest of, <laughs> and again, there's people who've been listening to our podcast. We always have new listeners. Thanks for helping us get our numbers up. Oh my god, yeah. But when I when I go out to dinner, unlike you, I don't want to be told specials. Or I, I'm getting better with specials because sometimes I probably order five percent of the time what they say specials. I usually go to a restaurant. If it's Italian, I know what I want. If it's seafood, I know what I want. I'm going to one steak, Johnny O'Donnell Steakhouse this weekend. I kind of know what I want ahead of time. So I don't need to have any small talk. I don't need to talk to anybody. They, even when they put the menu down in front of me, they don't have to, but they do. I don't ask them to take it back. That would be obnoxious, but I don't want to have any small talk. Yeah, I know. I, when, we've gone, when we've gone out to you know the, the, the U.S. Open or various, uh, the Super Bowl fights over the years and gone out to dinner to, together, you were always elbowing our car, colleagues, mocking me as I said, oh, hi, Carlos. <laughs> and, I, and I have. How long, long have you been working here? <laughs> Where were you before you came here? Really? How are you doing? But you, you, you also remember because you've been in the service industry. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's Carlos what that's about. Nine other tables that he's working on. And he's got he's got oh. plates in the kitchen that he's got to get to those tables. And for whatever reason, people think that he wants to talk to you. Oh, yeah, you. that is true. I always give them this caveat. I say, Carlos, if I start telling one of my stories and you have other tables that are waiting for you, turn around and walk away. <laughs> I won't be offended because I know how I am. One more thing on that, JT. Uh, be careful of ordering the specials. A lot of time, the specials have been sitting around. That's why they're specials. 
Ooh, so you're yeah. saying that the stuff that they're trying to yeah. get through the cycle? Yeah, bef- to the front. Be- yeah, they do that? before it goes bad. <laughs> they're, trying, they're trying to serve it. Be careful of those specials. Yeah. So the chicken parm is never the special. They know I'm always going to order. Right. That. Yeah. Sometimes they run out of it, especially at the hot, you know, the better Italian places. They'll run out of pasta or they'll run out of chicken parm because they're making their fresh every day. Stuff they run out of is the good stuff usually. And then the stuff on the specials, uh, you might want to stay away from. So depending on where you're listening in the podcast, we'd like you to start in the beginning, middle, and then go to the end. But we always add a little COVID in there because COVID's always evolving. Mm -hmm. Now we're starting to see people that have no empathy and no sympathy for anybody who ever got COVID, and they're getting COVID. That's a new thing now that people are getting it now that said it wouldn't happen to me. And what's not going to happen to me? And if it does, I'm going to feel fine. And then you go, okay, how how you doing? Well, hopefully they're doing fine as, you know, millions upon millions of people are affected because of all the people that have passed and they have big families. And now we're getting to the point where Omicron is not as deadly, which is the word. But it's a jumper. It's a jumper. And people, everybody I know now, Three very, very dear friends of mine that I'll leave, you know, two of them mm-hmm. have it this week and they're just shocked and they all feel good checking in on them. One actually said he went for a walk and it was the worst thing he did because he came back after his walk and he felt like he was dehydrated, tired, right. run down for an extra day. But we just wanted to include that in there that we're thinking of everybody. We're always asking people how they're doing. And I want to share with you Jay Glazer, friend of the show, uh, Jay is going through bouts of depression and he's putting it out there now oh, wow. as he's telling wow. people how he's feeling on his darkest and grayest of days. Wow. Please go to Jay Glazer on social media, on Twitter. So I saw this tweet and I think we should include it, the audio here. So here it is. Here's what Jay Glazer said on his recent tweet about depression. Um, my depression, anxiety, it's, it's been since I was, it's my earliest memory. And it sucks. It's a daily thing. Like every single day I wake up thinking my sky is falling and people think like, oh man, you're rich and famous. Like my wallet's not an antidepressant. It doesn't work that way. I have never known how to like, love myself from the inside out. I don't know what that looks like. When I say I wake up in the gray, it's every freaking day. And it absolutely sucks. It's terrible. And I never know which version of me I'm going to get every day. And then when I lay my head on my pillow at night, those 15 minutes at night, the worst part of my day, because I'm laying down with someone that I don't know how to like or love. And I just think is a, a like not worthy of anything good. So I'm like, you know what? This is this could help a lot of people. So after that, I saw that and I said to myself, I know Jay. I've been friends with him a long time. So I reached out to him on Twitter and said, hey, I'm with you. And this is very courageous. He got right back to me, right back to me. And we, you know, he talked about, you know, he said, hey, big guy, thanks for this. And I said, just keep being you. And that was another pleasant experience that I had recently on social media, which aren't too many, where our friend, mutual friend, Jay Glazer is talking about how he's trying to get through the tough times. Yeah, One of the things that really helps with, with is the truth. The truth sets us free. And that's really admirable because people would think, you know, what, what's really great that he uh, opens up about that and owns it as the millennials say, and they really have helped the rest of us who are older own a lot of things because of uh, their leadership in this area. And when he, who has people would just love that job to gossip about the NFL, 
on the number one television show in in all of America, the NFL on Fox, and that legendary show, and he's on it, and he's got all the inside poop on all the teams, and people think, oh, my God, that's a dream job, one that he created for himself. And he is on top of the world, but even people on top of the world, professionally, financially, can be in really dark places, and we don't know it unless they tell us. And then they, we can give them our collective love. Well, that was the whole thing about his tweet now. He said he wanted people to really see it instead of him putting a nice right. quote up there. A nice quote, because he's talking to Dan Patrick about this, and Dan Patrick's been going through the same thing. Two of the most famous guys in sports media. And Jay was basically saying that he wanted to see more people become teammates and help each other out on this topic along the way. If you're, if you're in a really dark or gray place, as he says, to know that you have people around you going through the same thing and banding together, that helps you get out of the darkness to the other side. And I definitely wanted to mention that. Yeah, and that's why teenagers sometimes have a higher suicidal rate on this issue because they don't know, and that's why we always have to help those who are younger than us. Uh, you know, Tell them the things that you wish you were told about lots of different subjects so they don't think they're all alone. It's not only teenagers. We're talking about a full-grown adult here. But with kids especially who feel alone, especially teenagers, like the world is against them, and the hormonal bomb that they're hitting, they feel like, oh, my God, I'm a freak, and they've got to know they're not. And whether it is a kid or a full-grown adult, anytime anybody's going through anything, we've got to let them know that uh, we've either been there or they've got our support. Perfect transition from Jay Glazer to Tom Looney's sources. You know, people now say they talk to their source this yes, morning. Yeah. Oh, my source. Oh, really? And I, had a, I thought the tweet was very good. I call bullshit. Your sources are your teleprompter. Your teleprompter is where you put your information into the show that you're reading. So when you're at that point in the show and you say, oh, my source told me, it's not a source. It's just something you made up or something you're assuming and you well, want to. Where are you going opinion. with this? Sometimes people have so good sources. Yeah, what are most, you talking about? Most times they, they don't. Most times people that do what we do for a living, we might have one source or whatever, but it's not something that you rely on every day. In our business, we're opinion based. We got a strong opinion on Baker Mayfield getting a contract extension or not. I could throw in, I talked to two sources today that said Baker Mayfield's not going to get a contract extension. I could be completely bullshitting, and no one would know. I got 30 or 40 people in the NFL. If you're going to cite sources, Tom, you're a news guy now. Should you have to name your sources, or do you just say my sources? Well, no, you don't get any news if you name sources. If It depends on your deal that you have with sources. And, there, no, there are plenty of times. We need unidentified sources sometimes to save democracy. We need unidentified sources sometimes to save the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully not. But, we know, we've seen the movies. No, we need because and we need people, good people who choose what's right over what's wrong rather than their political party or their favorite football team or their job over what's right. And so we need sources and unidentified sources to get word out about the truth, which will always set us free. But it must be something about the Raiders, Kirsten. So you got because you got a chip on your shoulder about something here. What are we getting at? I'm just I just want to throw it out there. There are a lot of Good. people that if they don't have they don't have real information on where Aaron Rodgers is going or if they don't really have real good information, yeah. if Russell Wilson wants to stay in Seattle, you'll hear my sources say, uh, to me, that's just bullshit. Well, a lot of a lot of times with what we do, there's a lot of gossip about, like with Boomer Science and getting the text about Aaron yes. Rodgers. But he did cite what it was. 
And what we are doing a lot of times, we're just talking on the radio. Sometimes we do talk about hearsay because we're not news journalists. Sports reporters aren't news journalists in general, even the ones that call themselves that because of the non-important crap that we talk about, which is sports, which we love talking about. But we know in the larger picture on the earth, it's not that important. It's just reality TV. They put cameras there and now we talk about it. But uh, sometimes like what, what Boomer Esiason didn't did wasn't wrong. It's talk radio. He was talking. And he he, he talked about a text he got, and he didn't say he got it from Andrea Mitchell (laughs) at NBC News. He said he got it from John Carl, John Carl from ABC News, who cites his book as he's giving (laughs) you the news now. Well, Kevin McCarthy might report and might have to speak. And oh, and uh, that was in my book. And he's doing a live shot of go, wait a second, do we get to the point in 2021 where a guy like John Carl, wherever you stand politically, could be talking about the insurrection. And as we said, it was an insurrection. It was. It was an awful day in American history. There was a lot of violent acts. People got hurt. It was a bad day. People killed cops. And he wrote a book about it. And then when they're talking now on the news with David Muir and the uh, ABC Nightly News, World News Tonight, and he's standing in front of the White House plugging his book, saying, as I talked about this in my book, my head almost popped. I said, wait a second, (laughs) you might want to recruit recuse yourself from this story on the White House lawn as you're as you're putting up a graphic of your book. That's a little (laughs) bit too much for me. Oh, and the other big question that a friend wanted me to ask to Tom Looney. Okay, Tom, how come all of a sudden Wolf Blitzer doesn't have the coronavirus board up anymore? The flashing board that had how many people died, how many positive tests. How all of a sudden did that all of a sudden disappear well, on I, CNN where every day, I don't know if it's 800,000, 830,000. Why did that disappear? All that is a good question. I don't know why Tom Looney would have the answer to that. But I think in general, as a news person, we have a at KABC a philosophy, which I firmly believe in, out of context numbers. You've got to put numbers in context. Just throwing numbers out there. Don't do anything for anybody. Don't do anything for any information age. Don't do anything. Sometimes they scare people, but we shouldn't be in the, in, I know the news business and is in the business of scaring people. A lot of times you, you don't report on the old lady being walked across the street. You report on the fire, but, uh, and you have to, but uh, why? Because they probably for too long have been reporting numbers out of context, just throwing a number up. Without comparing it, contrasting it, talking about hospitalizations and death isn't good. Bob Saget died, and a lot of people considered him one of the most raw, incredible behind the scenes comedians. His dirty jokes and his dark humor is iconic. People talk about it. If you listen, I haven't listened to a lot of it, but when he passed away, Jimmy Kimmel broke down. Jimmy Kimmel, YouTube it. He, he opened up his show on tape. He couldn't go live. He did it on tape because he did five minutes on his friendship. I mean, they were best, best friends. And he was crying talking about that and John Stamos and Don Rickles and when Don Rickles was alive, what that was all about. I just have one Bob Saget story. I met him at the Playboy Mansion. There were times at the Playboy Mansion that you could go for a sporting event or there was a live auction and it was in my wheelhouse living in LA for about two years. I probably went to the Playboy Mansion about eight or nine times. Wow. It was usually with an auctioneer who I knew and it was a charity yeah. event and you would have to go to the UCLA campus. You have to go to the campus and go through screening, show your ID and all this. Yeah, it's right down go, the street. Yep. Go to a Halloween. It was Halloween parties. One was in a bathrobe theme or whatever. 
then you get on a shuttle and it would take you to the Playboy Mansion. Then when you get there, it was exactly what you thought it would fucking be. Exactly. You come up the driveway. It's the Playboy Mansion, the rolling lawn. Then you get out and you go back to the grotto and it was open bar. So everybody's always getting hammered. And then they'd have an entertainer and a live auction and they'd raise a lot of money. Because everybody there was just a big swinging person who's like, I got more money than you. I'll bid on that painting and overbid you by a thousand. And one time I was at the bar and Bob Saget was there in a robe, a bathrobe. <laughs> and there, I think I don't know if he was married. I don't want to go there. Rest in right. peace. But he had two of the most gorgeous women playmates you've ever seen. Yucking it up, telling jokes, looking in the eye. What's your name? Who's your buddy? And I had such a great experience on that one night. I bumped into him later on the night. He remembered my name, JT, from the radio. So one experience was epic because I met Bob Saget there and he just passed away. And I wanted to mention it because so many comedians and actors were so profoundly affected by their friendship with him. That's a small knit, you know, tight knit group of people. And the golden age in the eighties and nineties out of the improv and the comedy store was Bob Saget and Paul Reiser and Jim Carrey and Roseanne Barr and, and Rosie O'Donnell and Jerry Seinfeld. You recognize those names? Yeah. And I, I'm just, that was just off the top of my head. Just though there was a lot more of them whose names you would recognize who went on to be TV stars and movie stars and host that uh, so many of them were on the number one shows in the country. Ray Romano, the list goes on and on. It was the golden age. They were, you know, but it was a tight knit community. They all did really well. He was on the number one show in the country at one time with America's funny home, funniest home videos at times was the number one show week in and week out in addition to full house. And, uh, and so that's a really, and they, you know, they, they don't always have glamorous lives. The standups who are spending the night after, you know, in, in Tucson after playing, you know, stand up, doing stand up comedy at Chuckles in Tucson. And they live a lot of hotel lives together and are lonely at bars. And so it's a tight knit community. And it was really wonderful to see the out, outpouring of love that he got. Let's treat everybody to some wild card predictions. Ooh, are you ready? For, yeah. you like hey, the before NFL the wild, wild card predictions, can you, for one moment, tell us what it was like? Being it's what some are calling the greatest football game ever played coming down as the clock hit zero with a tied game and people in Pittsburgh needed diapers because they didn't know until the clock hit zero when the Raiders kicked that field goal to send themselves to the playoffs when the the third what is it the third or fourth game in a row that what what what's going on with the Raiders how are they doing this. Usually when you go to a great sporting event, a Super Bowl, and it's iconic, you expect it. It's a Super Bowl. Well, you see a walk-off game-winning shot at the Final Four. It's because you're at the Final Four. You're supposed to see great moments at great games. That was one of the greatest football games I've ever been to, ever. And it was the greatest regular season game now I've ever been to. And I've been to hundreds of football games. Right. Why was that number one? It was number one because earlier in the day, if Baltimore would have beat Pittsburgh, the Raiders would have been in. So they wouldn't even have to play the game and they were in the playoffs. And Pittsburgh shouldn't have won that game. Baltimore <laughs> threw an interception in their own end zone and Pittsburgh barely won. So we were tailgating, tailgating in Las Vegas when that event went down. And a lot of people saw it. They had TVs in the parking lot. So a couple of really cool Raider fans said to me, 
well, this is great. I mean, what do you mean it's great? Go, no, then the game wouldn't be any good if the Raiders already won. They wouldn't play Jacobs or Waller. All the guys that are hurt, they'd save them for the playoffs. And I'm like, you're right. I go, now you have to go in and win the game. So get in the game. I got my son, my wife. I'm doing the pregame at the torch in front of several thousand people. We have Fred Bolitnikoff as a guest, Jim Plunkett, Otis Sistrunk, all these legendary guests and the crowd's going crazy. Then after that, I go down on the field, see Reggie Jackson, Charles Woodson, watching Justin Herbert warm up, which is really rad. Then the game started and they did the tribute to John Madden. Not, not everybody saw this on TV. Well, we saw but little highlights. Yeah. The lights went down and they asked everybody to turn their phone flashlight on. So the whole place was lit up. And then over the public address, the speakers was Al Davis. Coolest thing ever. <laughs> Al digitized perfectly reading John Madden's Hall of Fame speech. He inducted him. So you felt like you were in Canton. Dead silence. Just Al Davis's voice. Then the lights came up and Virginia Madden lit the torch and spoke. And the game, the, 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 the kickers are lined up. They're like, they're going to do kickoff. I was like, this is sick. So the game starts. Raiders get out to lead halftime. And then classic Raider game. Raiders start falling apart. And this kid, Justin Herbert, almost indescribable how great he is. And I, I told you this last year when I said he was the best quarterback I saw over Brady. Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, who I saw live at Allegiant Stadium. He leads that comeback. They tie the game up. They go to overtime. Most Raider fans said it's over because the way they came back, this is just going to crumble. Raiders put up three. Chargers can't score, which was hard to believe at that point. They kick three. Then the Raiders have the ball at midfield, and everyone's looking at their watch and the clock on the scoreboard going, oh, my God, they're going to tie. They're really going to tie. And I never took that topic seriously ever throughout. I the know. Who Why would you? Yeah. So boy blunder. I nicknamed him that Brandon Staley calls a timeout. I don't think the Raiders were ever going to take a knee for a tie. They wanted to win. Yeah, they're they probably just going to hand the ball State. off. Yeah. So by him calling timeout, the Raiders were able to take a deep breath, see where they were on the field, still not in field goal range. They ran a play to Josh Jacobs. He bounced outside extra yards eight more yards when he should have been tackled set up the game winning field goal daniel carlson's automatic automatic he wins the game and everybody's sitting around this building going i've never seen anything like that in my life because pittsburgh was waiting for the outcome chargers were going to the playoffs with the tie raiders were going chargers eliminated with the loss raiders don't have to play in kansas city with the win they go to cincinnati so all of that combined made it arguably the greatest game of all time in the regular season because you never have a game time with that much at stake they will cement themselves also new fans in a new city which is important in a new stadium that they didn't get to play in in front of fans last year for decades to come yeah. with that game it was great and there weren't a lot of charger fans well, there's not yeah. a lot of Charger fans in Los Angeles at games. The, the, the yeah. overwhelm hey, here's one thing, too, when you take a look at the serendipity in life with Justin Ebert. And that is, you know, if Tyrod Taylor didn't have somebody stick a needle in the wrong part of him last year before week one, and he had a nice season and a few nice games in weeks one, two, and three, 
for the Ra for the Chargers last year, we wouldn't have known the greatness of Justin. But by accident, he had to start right away, and he was great from the beginning. How Aaron often does Rod that happen? Aaron Rodgers was on the bench. Yeah. Years, and Patrick Mahomes didn't play, I think, till week 16, whatever that was, because Alex Smith was pretty good. You bring up an interesting point on Tyrod Taylor, but yeah. to see Herbert play that at that level, that fourth and 23, that touchdown he threw was right in front of me. My seats were right there. I sit on the 29-yard line. He faded back from the 25 to the 30, right in front of me. And I was with my son, and he threw that touchdown into the end zone. The Raiders had six defenders waiting in the end zone. Do you understand what I'm about to say? They were in the end zone when the play started, before he faded back, because they all, all they had to do was knock the ball down, and the game's over, correct? Right. They were waiting there, and he threw a rocket, and guys who were two feet away couldn't move that quick enough. The greatest athletes in the world couldn't go two feet and reach their arm out and knock the ball down because the ball got right into the end zone that quickly. And I said, you know, I've seen Elway. I've seen Favre. I've seen Brady multiple times. The list goes on and on. I've never seen anybody do that. You think he has the potential to be better than them or he already is? He might already be. That's a great question. I don't think anybody's going to have the chance to be better than Brady. But after seeing Herbert play twice live, both in dramatic fashion, I think he could be better than Elway. I think he could be better than Favre. Aaron Rodgers is better than Favre, in my opinion, because he just is athletically, but they're both great. Yeah, I think it's too early to tell because he plays for the Chargers organization and that could screw him up. But his talent is off the charts. I've never seen talent like that. Yeah, and, you know, if he gets the luck of Tom Brady, Tom Brady wasn't any good against uh, in a couple of Super Bowls. He got outplayed by Jake DeLome. He got outplayed by... Uh, so many. He got outplayed by who? Oh, Kurt Warner. He got outplayed Eli by twice. Russell Wilson. He got outplayed by Eli twice. So there's a lot. You know, it doesn't take that much to be better than Tom. You know, I have a chip on my shoulder about Tom Brady. I'm joyless when it comes to Tom Brady. But yeah, if they can put a decent defense together, get a good field goal kicker, Adam Minatari. Yeah, that's who Tom Brady has to thank when he gets into the Hall of Fame. And I, I then he's really, he's really going to have some unbelievable years for the chargers wild card rapid fire okay Dallas hosting the 49ers jimmy g versus dak the niners went into your city that beautiful city la right the rams had everything to play for in my opinion they want to go higher up in the seat they get beat again they can't beat the 49ers oh and the rams are going to do anything Niners with momentum at Dallas. Who wins the game? Well, is momentum a real thing would be the question, JT. And if 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 the answer to that is yes, that's always a question in sports and in life that that's a real thing. It is when a rock's rolling down a hill, and that's what the San Francisco 49ers represent. And how many times this year have you tuned in to watch the Dallas Cowboys in a big, fun game, and they lay an egg? And I, I like how Mike McCarthy played them hard in the last game so they would have some momentum going in as well. Great so point. I, I'm, I'm picturing in my mind San Francisco 49ers winning this game, but if they do, it might be 30 to 29. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas because C.D. Lamb yep. and Amari Cooper. Oh, God, he's good. C.D. Lamb. Oh. and Pollard and the fact that I just think they're going to win because Dak is going to outplay Jimmy G, but this Debo Samuel for the 49ers, 
is special. He runs, he throws, he cat, he does everything. He's an elite player. I there. heard somebody mention about how Jimmy G is the opposite of Kirk Cousins. Anyway, Kirk Cousins That's is a really bum. interesting. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is a bum slayer and doesn't really play well in important games or games that aren't at one o'clock. And Jimmy G plays really well in the fourth quarter with the game on the line, but not necessarily in games that don't matter against teams that stink. Kansas City, 12 and a half point favorite over Pittsburgh. Your mind tells you, Vegas tells you, if you want to talk about Pittsburgh covering the spread, that's fair. Yeah, but that's how fair. do they win outright at Kansas City? They do it because Kansas City starts really slow in games. They've been spotty this year, up and down. And Big Ben, doesn't he start? Isn't he starting to look like the Kurt Warner movie that just came out? Like, isn't he the guy that the movie's looking like? Sneaks into the playoffs, had his going away goodbye in Pittsburgh, waved with the family, then beat Baltimore, his rival, to get in. He's even saying, he goes, hey, let's just go have fun. No one's giving us a chance. I think Kansas City will win, but I expect Ben and the Steelers easily to cover the spread. I think Kansas City is going to have to fight to win that game. Well, it's always scary when a team has nothing to lose and Ben's, oh, it might be my last game, might not. And all of a sudden he's feeling so good about himself after, you know, after he's been feeling his age creeping in. But Big Ben Roethlisberger, unlike Kurt Warner, Big Ben Roethlisberger was 15-1 and one his rookie year. He was Justin Ebert his, his, his rookie year. He came in and said, oh, I got this. Oh, this is easy. And he's always made the game look that way. I've always said at times during his prime, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And so, yeah, the, what's fun about all these games is there's an upset waiting to happen, but it's not going to happen in Kansas City. Kyla Murray versus Matthew Stafford. I mean this, but I don't, but I kind of do. If Sean McVay loses this game, I don't ever hear about Sean McVay again. <laughs> I don't ever hear about the new commercials he has and who he is. He's got a hot looking girlfriend, all that. He cannot afford to run Jared Goff out of that city, bring in Stafford and Stafford knock it out of the first round. I don't think Stafford could win at Green Bay if they get to the NFC championship game, but they got to win this game. And man, Tom, we've talked about it. Kyla Murray is a badass. That guy could have a game, 330 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, running away from everybody doing pirouettes. They better be careful in Los Angeles at SoFi. Yeah, because he's also a guy, it's hard to get, you can game plan against him, but there's things he does oh, for, sure. for which you have no game plan. I love watching him and that team, but which one, just like, just like the Kansas city chiefs were really awful earlier in the year and they can have go get off to really slow starts like Joe Frazier back in the day. Well, same thing with, uh, same thing with the Arizona Cardinals. You're not sure if you're getting the seven and two Arizona Cardinals or the Arizona Cardinals since week 10, the same thing can be said about the Rams. They have had some weeks where you look at the Rams and say, my team can't beat that team. And there would be about, 25 fan bases that would look at the Rams at different times this year and say, my team can't beat that team. But just like the Dallas Cowboys, there's been a lot of big games this year where you tune in and say, oh, this is going to be good. The Rams and so-and-so, and then the Rams lay an egg. That's what makes this game interesting. Quickly, I like the Raiders in this spot because they're not playing the 85 Bears. They're not playing the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed Ravens. They're not playing a team like that. They're playing the Bengals who haven't won forever. And I think it's 1990, whatever the number is, uh, double check that for me. They're, they're awful historically, awful when it comes to the playoffs since the run that they had with Sam Weish going up against Bill Walsh. They lost two Super Bowls, two yeah. to Montana. You know, we talk about 
from time to time, Brady, who did he beat? He barely got by Jake DeLome. Remember, Montana won four. Two of them were against the Bengals. And you haven't heard from the Bengals since. So I give the Raiders more than a puncher's chance. I'm just concerned that the Raiders, this dream of four weeks is going to run out eventually. And it's cold weather on the road. Card's got to prove he can win in cold, cold weather, something he hasn't done. I was at that playoff game. Cincinnati Bengals and my Los Angeles Raiders at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, which at the time seated 92,516. Was I a fan at that time or what? And 92,516 people were at that game. As we watched Bo Jackson during the regular season, he had an 89-yard touchdown run and a 91-yard touchdown run in the same game against the Bengals. They get the Bengals back at the Coliseum for a playoff game and that's when that's the day the music died for Bo Jackson. Yeah, that's when he hurt his hip and his football and baseball career were never the same. He never played football again. I was at that game. And that was the Icky Woods year. The basically Icky Woods year that he was so amazing and took over the NFL and played so well. Boomer Sice and Icky Woods took that team uh to the Super Bowl. And this is going to be fun. This is great memories for, you know, L.A. Raider fans haven't had anything to be happy about. We had a small since 2003, even when we got to cheer for the Raiders when they were in Oakland, they say, you know, since that Super Bowl, not much has happened. So it's all very it's nostalgia week here in Los Angeles for the Raiders. And Derek Carr has. Now, this is a this is a great moment for Derek Carr. It's and this is could, could be he's the one that that's what it comes down to. How are the Raiders going to do? Oh, and who's the defensive lineman that was wreaking havoc? Part of the reason why. And how's he going to do? I mean, he, he, he's the one who was taken off on the cart. Oh, no, that's Darius Filon. He's gone for the year. Oh, oh shit. See, now that's a that that's Max a problem. Crosby was the AFC defensive player of the week. He's the condor off the edge who's having a great year. Yeah, and, and and guess what? They ran Cincinnati Bengals ran a lot in Vegas against the Raiders because of that defense hassling him. And the um, so that that ever since that injury, that's when you know the Chargers comeback started. When you're, you're right. big, that's when the Chargers comeback. So that's going to be a problem if they can't get to him. But the Raiders know how to make quarterbacks get some happy feet. And if Joe Burrow gets happy feet because of the Raider defense combined with Derek Carr, you get a you get a Raider win, which I'm predicting. It's my upset special. Thank you for that. Uh, I don't think Philly's going to put up much of a fight. I love Jalen Hurts. I love him. He got him to the playoffs by running the ball. And it's a great won. chicken soup for this whole story. I love the Jalen Hurts. And Tampa story. Bay's got a lot of guys hurt. Fournette's coming back. Levante David's been hurt. No one's been really healthy on that team. Godwin being out so with all of that i think philly could put a scare in them but they're at home i expect tampa bay to win i don't think they'll cover but i think philly will make it interesting and then tampa will pull away comfortably at the end and win that game at the, and that's the kind of the way they play yeah so you're good with tampa right winning yeah yeah that's because that's, that's kind of the way they play they'll be it'll be a slow start it'll be surprisingly closed for a few quarters and tampa bay has done that all year long but you know, what, what do champions do? And I hate giving any type of compliment to Tom Brady, but they've got a great defense and champions win games. And the Raiders have done this year, win games that you should have lost and losers lose games. They should have won. And that's, what's going to happen. You know, Tampa Bay's not going to have Tampa Bay's going to have issues getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, but it's not going to be against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I saved the best for last Buffalo, New England. 
Oh, your dirt of Buffalo, New England. Uh, they split on the year. Buffalo lost that game, dramatic game at home where Mac Jones was two of three for 19 yards and, and the New England just ran it. But Buffalo got redemption, won in Foxborough, won the division. So they get this game at home. I predicted Buffalo to win the Super Bowl on the JT and Looney podcast. That's my Super Bowl pick. So I like Buffalo in this game. I just think New England's playing poor football as of late. Buffalo's playing better. It's going to be a madhouse in Orchard Park. Not that Belichick hasn't played in hostile environments before, but these young players haven't. The hostile environment will be the weather. They shouldn't be playing in games in Buffalo or Green Bay at night. It's it's going to be 11 during the day. 11. What's it going to be at night? That's going to have a big effect on the game. That's going to have an effect on dropped balls and cold balls when it comes to that game. So that's going to be a lot closer game, even if people think, well, it's going to be a close game anyway, but the weather could affect the outcome of that game. And I got got Buffalo, too, because Buffalo is basically just a better team. Josh Allen could put that, that team on his shoulders the way Derek Carr can in Las Vegas. The Buffalo Bills. Isn't this great for me on a Saturday? Get to cheer for the team of my youth, the Buffalo Bills, and my big boy team, the Raiders. Wow, you made it through all 44 minutes and 17 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast. Really appreciate that. The JT and Looney podcast is property of JT and Looney. Any rebroadcast of the JT and Looney podcast without the express written consent of JT, Looney, or Stormy Daniels is absolutely prohibited. Oh, and the JT and Looney podcast is powered by Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.